Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podcast, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere. So give us a five-star review, rate us. Tell us what you like, dislike sometimes. We'll talk about that later on the podcast. I'm your host, Kamiam Robin, joined by Jack Shields. Jack, how's your week going so far? It's pretty good, man. Just got back from Chicago. It's, uh, yeah, I've been pretty chill so far. How was Chicago? Kamiar, have you ever heard of Malort? What is Malort? See, no one warned me about Malort either. It's, um... Sounds like something somebody would say down south about the Lord. Gonna go <laughs> praise Malort. But uh, it's like a liqueur that I guess is unique to Chicago. I I, I think it's piss flavored liqueur. <laughs> I suspect, but um, when it go it like it's like a rite of passage when you I guess come to Chicago. Or whatever. It's not my first time in Chicago, but it's my first mm-hmm. time trying Malort. A friend gave it to me. He's not not much of a friend for giving it to me though. Right. But anyway. You take a shot, and it goes down, and it's really not that bad when it goes down, but then like five seconds later, oh no! it just, it's like, oh god, what is this? This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever tasted, and it's not something you can put your finger on. Like, I, I don't know how to describe the taste adequately. It tastes like flint water. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 oh. it looked like flint water, but like, um, yeah. Like three beers later, after that, you still taste it in your mouth. Oh, it's so so. Is it settled in your stomach? It it wasn't that bad on the stomach. Okay. I don't know, but it's it's dreadful. So that's how your don't week's ever, been going so far. Well, this was like this was Thursday. Okay, not bad. So that was last week. last week. This week's cool, but like, uh, yeah, Chicago's great. I like if you're. Between the months of like May and September, there's not a better city to be in in America than Chicago. It's the windy city, man. Was it windy? No, oh. it was not. It was no, good. it was like it was like eighty and calm. It was cool. Oh, so not like a hundred and two and humid as hell. It's been rough around here lately. Rough is rough is an understatement. Yeah, absolutely. And we got rain today, so this is yeah. Tuesday. Oh, so I left my damn, really I left my windows down. Last night, and then of course I go to some meetings because my my past week and this week and next week are just full of meetings, and uh, you know I'm just you know getting up, going to get some coffee, walk outside of my house to my car, and it's raining. I'm like, oh that's great, man. The temperature's gonna be a little cooler today, and my car windows are down, not all the way, but just enough to get my seat wet. Woof. It's a rough start to the morning, but it's okay. <laughs> it's it's okay, you know. It's Tuesday. Not I ideal. I had to look at my watch and tell me that it was Tuesday because I'm losing track of time. But everything's good. But hey, we've got some stuff talking about offensive camp, specifically about the offense. Some more stuff on the defense because there's not a lot of 
headlines about the offense other than, okay, who's the quarterback going to be? You Honestly, we as people will not know who the starting quarterback will be at Oklahoma till about, Officially. A, till about a week and a half out. That's typically when Lincoln Riley has named starting quarterbacks at Oklahoma. Until anyways. he names Jalen Hurts. And then at East Carolina, he named, I think, Shane Carden, the starter, like the day before the game. But at Oklahoma with Bake and Kyler, he named them nine and ten days before the first game. So a week and a half out is typically what you want to do. So we've got some offense stuff. And that's really like what the, that's really what the question mark is on offense. People... The offensive line talk isn't sexy. So people don't really talk about it. They just acknowledge, oh, that's kind of might be an issue. We don't know. The, the sexiest lines are, hey, the defense sucks. And it's been bad for a while. Let's focus on that. And not that that's wrong, but there's just a lot of news out of camp that people are more interested in. So we've got some defense. We've got a – we were joined by Alex Kirshner from uh, Banner Society, and that's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we got some Twitter questions and a lot of stuff planned. So let's dive on into it. Of course, the first thing on the list, quarterbacks. It continues after a scrimmage and a live team. Because, like, you could say it was a scrimmage, but they weren't keeping score. It was just like a live team practice where they were going offense, defense, but not actually keeping score. It's becoming more and more increasingly uh, affirmative and uh, pretty much confirming what everybody knows is that Spencer Rattler is really fucking good he's he's good he is as advertised he can spin it he can sling it he's got a live arm however dude's still a freshman makes some freshman mistakes uh jalen hurts still the best quarterback then the most consistent quarterback i would say and then tana mordecai he's he's there and he's showing you what he's got but it doesn't compare to what a Jalen Hurts has or a Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has all the flashy plays that make you go, wow. Jalen Hurts has all the fundamental plays that make an offense work. That's kind of where we're at as far as a quarterback season, quarterback battle season, S-C-S-Z-N. Plus, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously has the stuff that isn't really going to show in practice, all of the power running element and all that stuff. Power running, intangibles uh, during big moments in games, that's important. And But, I mean... We talked about this before the podcast, before we start recording. It would not surprise me. Let's say Jalen Hurts gets dinged up in a big game or some sort of game, and he's out for maybe two games, maybe two maybe one game in the middle of the season. You might see Spencer Rattler the rest of the way. Rattler's the guy who comes in over Mordecai, I mean, obviously. It would make sense. Now, I think they're going Now, I think as far as order, you know, against... Uh... You know, let's say South Dakota State when all three of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. get playing time. You mm-hmm. would probably see Hurts first, obviously. Yep. Then you would see Mordecai second you in would. that instance, and then you'd see Spencer Rattler. But if something were to truly happen to Jalen Hurts for more than like a few plays, mm-hmm. that would be Rattler. And, you, and these three quarterbacks, they're very aware of how each other are doing because, I mean, you Jalen Hurts is learning a new system. Spencer Rattler is... The quarterback heir apparent, and Tanner Mordecai is kind of, I and mean, it sucks to say that, but he's a hes a spot filler, but he's also a decent quarterback. And these guys are all aware of what they're doing in practice and what throws they're making, what throws they cannot make. And you, as a Tanner Mordecai, man, life's got to suck. Like, really, like... You're being strung along. You're I being mean... strung along, and you're, you are technically speaking battling for second place on the depth chart but you know Jalen Hurts is going to start and you can clearly tell that 
Spencer Rattler is a much better athlete and quarterback than you are, and he's a true freshman. I mean, what's in his mind right now? Like, they're saying it's a quarterback battle to stay competitive, but what does that really even do for him? I mean, he's about to be a great quarterback at another school. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he's probably going to be at Oklahoma this season. He might be at Oklahoma this season. It might be at North Carolina. And Oklahoma needs him this season. Definitely. They need the quarterback depth, so it's understandable why a lot of this is happening. And it's it's intriguing, and I'm just saying, Spencer Rattler continues to impress coaches. He also continues to make freshman mistakes, and that's something that people are not talking about. I mean, different news outlets, different outlets that you might hear from other things. They'll be like, oh, man, Spencer Rattler's great. He is good. He's very good. He's a five-star quarterback. He was the number one quarterback in the class. That's what you expect. Jalen Hurts? Oh, can he make all the throws? We don't know. Can Spencer Rattler beat him out? Jalen Hurts is going to be as fundamental as you want him to be. He's a coach's son. He knows what to do. He News out of camp, word out of camp suggests... Jalen is still trying to break the habit of scrambling too early in a Lincoln Riley offense. He he is not the type right now to maybe sit in the pocket for much longer uh, than it, as a Baker Mayfield did or even as a Kyler Murray did. He likes to use those legs. Not that anybody's complaining because he's very athletic and dynamic and massive. But, I mean, in a Lincoln Riley offense, you're going to want to go through all your reads before you actually start taking off. But Spencer Rattler... He's good, but people aren't talking about the mistakes he's make, He's making as a freshman. I mean, throwing in the double coverage isn't smart. And as far as Hurts is concerned, what you mentioned, that's probably something he's going to have to learn in games. He's going to mm-hmm. have to learn those lessons firsthand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if practice is what's going to necessarily cure that. But offensive line-wise, it seems like it's more solved than most would think at this point. I mean, it's coming together. It, it, it's, so the guy in the middle, the anchor, that's what's most important here, first of all. The anchor is Creed Humphrey. And having him in the room, and I think R.J. Proctor called him a like a mini beat and bow or something like that. He basically called him like beat and bow number two. He knows everything. He's a very intelligent guy, as we saw at Media Days. Very articulate, very understanding, uh, very well-spoken. And he's a freaking monster. So having him in the middle makes the offensive line a much easier project than if they were replacing everybody but like maybe the right tackle, right? So you've got him and Adrian Ely really buckling down their spots. So you have the center and right tackle. And honestly, you might even say Creed Humphrey, Adrian Ely at right tackle, and Marquise Hayes buckling at left guard. And Marquise Hayes is a road grader. That guy is going to bulldoze in any sort of run-blocking scheme that they want him to, when it's zone, pulling, whatsoever, he's going to kill. So now you're left with two spots. Now, out of if you would have told me going to spring game, Eric Swenson's going to start at left tackle, and then he's going to be starting at left tackle in summer, and he's going to be left tackle number one in fall camp, I probably would have laughed at you. I probably would have been like, dude, get, get that shit out of here. See, I assumed, I assumed that was like a temporary situation back in the spring. I assumed that eventually Bray Walker would take one of those two. Yeah, I assumed spots. that. Or, or I assumed what many other people assume is Bobby Evans was coming back. And he was coming back. And then he, he, he was going he pro. <laughs> he was going pro. Then he was coming back. And then he went pro. And then, of course, worked out well for him. And so Eric Swenson looks like 
right now, of course, you're 19 days out of game day. Looks like he's going to be your starting left tackle, which means you have one spot open at guard. Is that going to be Tyrus Robinson, who they really like, who has taken snaps at center um, with EJ Doma Ogar, who they're going to be battling next year for center. And uh, RJ, RJ Proctor from Virginia. Very versatile. Very versatile. He's played pretty much every spot on the line, and it, that's what Beatembo wants. Realistically, if someone gets hurt in this offensive line, is he the first replacement for any of the five positions, wouldn't you think? Proctor? Yeah. Um, or most of them, at least. I would say most of them. I mean, if, 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 if a creed goes down, you plug Tyrese at center, and you probably put Proctor at guard. But Proctor could play center, theoretically. Proctor could play, but... I, Tyrese took so many snaps at center this 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 summer and spring that I would say it's safe that he would go to center. But at, then, like you said, Proctor would fill in at guard. You feel pretty comfortable with Proctor playing guard and even the tackles, but I don't think he worked at much at center, if my mind serves me right. But the offensive line, Creed Humphrey said a couple days ago, oh, they're coming together. They feel good about where they're at. And honestly, at a camp, with these guys really solidifying their spots, I can see why. It just, it's not the amount of talent. They have a lot of talent, and Beatembo has shown a definite track record of success dating back to, you know, way before Oklahoma with offensive linemen. And he's never had this much talent. So now it's a matter of getting this talent on the same page, getting them all to work together and gel, and having that center in the room with Creed Humphrey, who is as articulate and intelligent as he is massive, is huge. That anchor is a big part. That's why, you know, offensive lines with Gabe Eichard, they were great. Um, so, I mean, offensive line, honestly, not that big of a deal. Not too concerning for me. I feel confident going into the Houston game about the offensive line. Will there be hiccups here and there? Yes. If there were last year, then there definitely will be this year. But, but they could have them all worked out. By do Texas. I feel confident in what they have? Yeah, I mean, and you you, sh- you just showed me a tweet about Eric Swenson, right? About Lincoln Riley? Yep, let's read this right here. This is from uh, Joey Helmer of OU Insider. Quoting Lincoln Riley today regarding Eric Swenson. He wasn't good enough to play in Michigan's offense. But I guess he's good enough to play in Oklahoma's. Wink, wink. Straight flames from Lincoln. Muy caliente. Like, Eric, and for those that don't know much about Eric Swenson, guy spells his name with a K, first of all. That's weird. But kudos to his parents. Yeah, there's also uh, the Eric who runs uh, Roll Bama Roll, our Alabama side. He's an Eric, too, with a K. Mm, Interesting. I think it's a Nordic thing. Interesting. I think it is, too. It makes sense. Swenson, yeah. Sounds Nordic. Yeah, Swenson. Um, But... He was a four-star guy. Four-star guy committed to Michigan. And the last second, they pull a scholarship. Not good enough for Mr. Khakis. Not good enough for Harbaugh. And they're pleated. He's not wearing flat fronts. This is not 1985. This guy, Harbaugh, remember this story? He slept. He had sleepovers with his recruits. Yeah. That's weird, man. Yeah, of course. Do you think he's a type of coach that like would bring a sleeping bag and like sleep in his tidy whities in his sleeping bag? <laughs> no, he probably wears his khakis in the sleeping bag. He feel, he looks like the type of guy that would stare at you while you're sleeping. Like that's like, yeah, deeply in with your his face. glasses on. Yeah. yeah, I think that's correct. Harbaugh's a weird. That's guy, an accurate man. assessment. And and when I was talking to Demetric, and he basically said, 
if Harbaugh cannot beat Ohio State this year, get that guy out of Michigan. Like this is the year, right? So I mean, Eric Swenson, the guy, I I was shocked heading into spring. I said there's no way he's gonna be your left tackle because you've got a Bray Walker, who in some sites was a five star kid. You got an Adrian Ely, massive guy, really talented. And, and then Proctor, who could theoretically play Proctor, tackle if need yeah. be. And it looks like Swenson. That's it's interesting to me. But some more offensive news. People to people want to talk about maybe the three stars you have in offense. And those guys would be CD Lamb. You've got a Grant Calcaterra who could be really good. And you've got a Trey Sermon or Jalen Hurts. You've got very dynamic playmakers there, right? Out of camp, word is two more guys that are forces to be reckoned with that are that could star this year as freshmen. You got Austin Stogner, six seven tight end, right? And you've also got Trajan Bridges, who is who was the least highly touted of the five star wide. You know, I say least highly touted of the five star wide receivers. Still a five star. He's a five star wide receiver. And it seems like this has been in the making for quite some time. In the spring, he was getting so much buzz. With Trajan Bridges, I would say I'm not surprised. With Austin Stogner? Stogner, a little bit. I'm a little bit surprised. Not so much in his ability, but, I mean, the fact that at that to me, it's y, at that Y receiver position, yeah. you already have Calcaterra and you already mm-hmm. have Lee Morris. But mm-hmm. then again, Stogner's a little bit different than different both breed. of those guys. So yeah, he's actually you can a, use him in different situations. He's valuable in the red zone. He's a power forward playing tight end, six foot seven. He's going to be six foot eight and a half by the time he leaves OU. He's going to be six foot eight in cleats. Man, you just throw jump balls up to that guy in the back of the end zone. It's a touchdown. I mean, how many six foot six safeties do you know that are going to cover this guy? Zero. How many six foot five linebackers are going to be able to run with this guy? Maybe someone at Bama. I not many. Someone at Bama I don't not know Not many is the answer. <laughs> and by the time he's a junior, maybe none. Uh, Monster, can you imagine this offense? Holy. Can you imagine this offense running in a shotgun where you've got two tight end sets with a Stogner and Calcaterra. You've got a CeeDee Lamb, a Rambo on opposing sides. You've got a Hertz and a take your pick of Sermon and, Sermon and Brooks and some sort of read option, whatever the hell you want to do. That's filthy. And then you tinker around with a little bit. You oh. throw a little Braden oh. Willis in there. Maybe yeah. some two-back sets with both Sermon and uh, Kennedy Brooks. And obviously, Marcus Major's kind of blowing yeah. up a little oh, bit, Marcus too. Ma- Marcus, well, let me tell you about Marcus Major. 405, baby. Yeah, Marcus Major, Millwood product. This kid, word, he's, he's going to get playing time. He is going to get his four games. He's smooth. He's picking up the playbook. He's good. Uh, fin- tough finisher, body's all there, mind is there. Uh, he's going to be a good one for Oklahoma when a Trey Sermon leaves and a Kenny Brooks leaves. They are excited about him in the program, and I mean it just it's continuing that trend of great Oklahoma running backs. He's going to be so good, and man, you know that Austin Stogner at six foot seven, six eight. When he puts on more weight on his frame, he can put on about another 30 pounds maybe. I mean, he's at like, what, 235 right now? Yeah. He's got some room. And he's got some room, but it, it depends on what kind of tight end he wants to be in the NFL because he's going to go to the NFL. Oh, of course. You could play him at an unbalanced offensive line and make him look like a tackle, and you could do so many tinkerings with him. 
it's it I don't know, it's just it's crazy it's it's gonna be fun so stogner and bridges bridges does not surprise me though no, like, I mean, that's all. been the buzz for a long time, and partially it's because you can use him in the slot if need be, and Oklahoma may or may not need someone like that in the slot. You never know. Who is going to start in the slot? Who would you think? <sighs> to me, the slot would be... That's a man, that's a good question. I, I would honestly put it at Trajan Bridges. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Bridges, because you've got Rambo on the outside, You've got C.D. Lamb on the outside. You've got... You're going to probably play a Grant Calcaterra. You're going to play a Grant Calcaterra on the inside as a kind of an H whatever slot. And then, I mean, you got the other guy, Trajan Bridges, and he's he can play inside or outside. It really depends. Would you say Weez is that versatile as well? I mean, Weez obviously is at 6'3", so obviously you'd prefer to have him on the outside, but he's a good enough route runner to play inside if need be, in certain situations at least. Man, and that's that, this, is where, this is where we talk about, about them being incredibly deep at offensive at, on the offensive playmakers. Would you say list. of those three freshman wide receivers, he's probably the odd man out for 2019, just for 2019? Weiss, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Jaden Hazel, Jane Hazelwood's been a little banged up. Um, Apparently asserting himself lately, though. But really good. Trajan Bridges is so versatile, so fast, so cerebral. Theo Weiss can be the odd man out, but, man, he's so talented. Still so damn So good. talented. And that's a good problem to have at Oklahoma. And that's the nature of the game on offense. Now, you want to talk about defense. Grinch and Riley, they come out. Of course, we saw images and everything of Trey Norwood and crutches. He's he's out for the year with another leg injury. They didn't specify Lincoln Riley with the new they're not it's not new, but you know, the privacy acts and stuff like that. You can't really disclose too much information publicly. Um, but with a leg injury that may be an ACL, he's out for the year. They mentioned how much of a big blow he is to the defense, not because he had ingrained himself so deeply into a cornerback spot or a nickelback spot. Or versatility a was a big part of it. Versatility. He's played in several big games. He's played in several positions, but part of me says that all that's true. Big games, several positions, but he never was able to master one position. I mean, if you can pl- if you can do a lot of things well, that's good, but you're not doing one thing great. And that's something that's that's an issue in this Oklahoma defense. You don't want to have a ton of moving parts to me anyways. I mean, you can you can say I'm wrong and I I think that's fair, but they recognize and acknowledge him as a blow to the defense, but I don't necessarily think so because he wasn't very physical, and you're going to need this. Although he had put defense. on some weight, hadn't he, did, he? He did put on some weight. He was up to like 184. Still um, not where you need to be for ish, right? Yeah. And some a name that's coming on lately. Of course, we're so early. Jordan Parker, uh, a guy that was a cornerback, saw some success during that 2016 season as a f- true freshman. Got hurt, went to safety, wasn't for him, and moves back to corner. And he's the guy that has seen basically like really the light has come on and he's ready to go. And he's working his tail off. And, of course, 
Trey Brown, this guy's bigger. This guy's faster. He said he says he's faster, and he says the slowest time he's run so far is a four three eight. Like, wow, that's that's that's, yeah. that's, that's some that's that's some blazing speed. And he, he's 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 not necessarily a massive dude, but if you're if the slowest time you're run is a four three eight, and if you're putting on true. muscle, if that's true, that's just that's good news for everybody, you know. So I mean, no word out for the year. Jordan Parker coming on. They mentioned uh, Jeremiah Cradell and then Chance Sylvie working at Nickel along with Buki. And people, what do you think about this? People say Buki needs to be playing cornerback and not Nickel. Corner in Alex Grinch's defense? I mean, mm-hmm. he doesn't really fit that mold, does he? Without shoes, he's like five foot eight. Yeah, not exactly. So Nickel, where you can kind of hover around and do a yeah. lot of different things, cover the slot a little bit. Yeah, and that, that's and that's the thing is... Who that would, would suit you, him a lot better. Who would you want better suited? Would you want a Brendan Radley Hiles who had a bad first year playing safety at a position? Nickel, he he fits the nickel in the Oklahoma defense. And he still has free range. He still has free range to roam a little bit. He still has a lot of option in his game to where he can cover uh, you know, blitz from the strong side, whatever, blitz from the other side of the field from the short side of the field. He has a lot of options available to him. Or do you want maybe a Justin Broyles or a Parnell Motley or Chance Sylvie in there that maybe they've had some injury histories, not Justin Broyles, but a Chance Sylvie has. And or Buki is, I mean, he, he seems like he's matured. He seems like he's gotten that high school mentality out of him. He looks like he's ready to go. News, word out of camp is he's, he's showing out. I mean, if all of that word is true, then go for it, Yeah, obviously. But, I mean, Sylvie is a guy that I've always kind of liked. He's got pretty decent size. I think he'd be decent at the nickel. But, I mean, I, I would, I'd love to see Buki get that shot at the nickel, though. I yeah. mean, you'd love to see him realize his potential. He's going to be he good. He was a legit five-star guy a year ago. I mean... And he- just played in a defense that didn't really suit his style very much and obviously he had his hiccups he was horrible with tackling mm-hmm. horrible basically horrible at everything mm-hmm. horrible in coverage i mean granted we were fooled a year ago on the hype yeah, and, coming and how, much was, Every, how much was that his fault i mean besides no, like the see, tackling no obviously not all his fault but like uh obviously there were some issues there but anyway I think we're all kind of rooting for him, aren't we? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's just like... Everyone wants him to be a superstar, obviously. And he wants to be a superstar, and he's he just seemingly has matured, and his game has been upped, and he's ready for a season to prove himself and prove everybody else wrong. And, I mean, talking about Alex Grinch, they like what Buki's been doing. Roy Manning, he's like what... He likes... he. Oh, man, Roy Manning loves what Buki's been doing and what Trey Brown has been doing. And you don't hear Parnell Motley's name a lot, but you're going to hear some CB2s because Parnell Motley, even though we're, everybody is slotting him in as CB2 right now, there's a lot of time between now and game one. And Dana Holgerson's going to throw on Oklahoma. And Oklahoma probably will win by three touchdowns, but you know what? Houston's going to get those 20-plus points. So it'll be interesting to see. Alex Grinch, apparently not happy with competition at safety. I think he I think he mentioned Patrick Fields as established as a safety. 
because Patrick Fields knows where to be. He's a safe choice, and he, very due diligence. Guy's a smart, savvy football player, another Oklahoman from Tulsa. And then you have a Delarian Turner Yale, DZY. He, he's not as established, but he is getting the majority of reps at the for the ones, so you can tell already who your back two are going to be. And that takes me back to Robert Barnes, five-star guy at South Lake Carroll. Of course, he's had an injury history. <sighs> like, what do, what do you do here? Like, you, you have, like, what, what do you do for Robert Barnes? You've played several snaps. And a DTY, this guy, he was a three-star. Three-star, but always sort of looked like a diamond in the rough, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. he was one of the guys who excited me the most from that 2018 class, Fields, just because of how physical he was. Pat Fields is a three-star, too. Yep. And, and so if you're, you're Robert Barnes. You're a legacy, by the way. You're a legacy. Your dad is a serious. His dad was a dude. You're a serious dude. Five-star guy. Comes into Oklahoma with so much hype. And I always, I was always kind of aback from him because of the way he was maybe immobile. He was a had little, a horrible injury as a senior, yeah, in high school, in, South Lake Carroll, and that's what made that's what made me have some pause to my to my you know evaluation of his of his athleticism. He just looks stiff, and those injuries are not going to make you look any more fluid. And so Robert Barnes is getting some run with the ones. It's true, but it looks like Patrick Fields and DTY are going to be your safeties. Game one. If they're most prepared, I'm cool with that, obviously. But, I mean, it's you would think that Cradell would usurp one of those titles by the end of the year, wouldn't you think? I don't know if Just gonna, based on the upside. I don't know if Cradell will usurp, but I definitely know Cradell will play a lot. He's, he's not redshirting. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And, I mean... I think he'll usurp one of those positions, but... Jalen Redmond has been in shells, which is shorts, helmet, pads. They're moving him slowly. He's been go in practice. Of course, you're going to keep an eye on him, but signs are pointing to him progressing and playing in this Oklahoma defense officially, and not just in spots, and not just like a game at a time, and stuff like that. That's 100% good news, of obviously. I mean, you have to imagine this defense. If the defensive line is flashing, if the linebackers are as good as people want them to be, and you have reliable safeties, a Trey Brown, a Buki, and then whoever Grinch decides to throw their cornerback to, you could have a formidable defense. And I'm not saying a defense that's going to go from 129th at pass to, like, top 50. But I'm saying a defense that somebody will have to respect. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, of course. I mean, no one's expecting it to be a top 20 defense. Not in the Big 12, and it doesn't need to be that good for an Oklahoma to uh, make the college football playoff. So I think anywhere in the top 50, S&P plus-wise, I know Bill Connolly isn't with SB Nation anymore, but we're going to keep citing yeah. S&P Plus just because it's a great formula. But and so Alex Grinch kind of he kind of crushed Mike Stoops regarding the defensive line. He mentioned he he hasn't been pulling any punches oh. over the past eight months at all, and that's what people appreciate about it. Of I course, mean, he's honest about it. he's honest about it, and that's what the and the players appreciate it too. He's he, people can smell fake from a mile away. 
it's true. And he basically looked at the defensive line and said, hey, they're going to be able to make some plays. And essentially said, they're going to be in a gap. They're going to really test their athleticism. They're going to go man-to-man. And he kind of he smirked at it and made a little comment about the way they're playing is going to be better than ramming your bodies into offensive linemen all game as a slight to the two-gap scheme Mike was running beforehand. It's so, not very effective. So the defense can actually go out and make a play and always look for a play. How much of, would you hate playing defensive line over the past three years in the Oklahoma defense? You, I mean, look at the recruits. Of course. <laughs> right? I mean, you're there's only three of you rushing, and you're going right at the blockers, trying mm-hmm. to eat up blocks. How fun does that sound? Or Not very. It's third and 12, and... We're going to rush three of you, and we're just going to just hang you out to dry with five lots of offensive linemen and just hope your linebackers can cover in space. <laughs> you would think that they would figure out after so long that that was an ineffective tactic. No, it's Mike Stoops. But they kept going back to that well time and time again. It's true. It... I'm so, let's not take for granted <laughs> that there was a regime change. Mm-hmm. That someone new is calling the shots there. Let's be excited. I'm excited. Are you excited? Cautiously optimistic, obviously, yes, yes. but at least you have hope for the future, which... Yep, yep. You know, let's be honest, going into last season... How much hope did you have that things would truly improve for the defense? Going into this last season, last into season. 2018, after the Rose Bowl and all of that stuff. Mm. After the Orange Bowl? Mm-hmm. Or the after the Rose Bowl in 2017, uh, okay, I'm, 2017. Talking about, I'm, I'm talking about going into last season, going into 2018. Oh, man. There were, there's when Mike so, Stoops was coming back. There, oh, when okay. So I'll do two parts. There was so much going into that because... I was under the impression, and many other people in the know were under the impression, that there was a certain day that we jokingly called D-Day for Mike Stoops after that Rose Bowl. And the donors were done. Everybody was done. Unfortunately, Rose Bowl was so late in the season, the coaching carousel had already taken place. A lot of coaches were already stead put. Alex Grinch was in Columbus. He was in Columbus. He was a name on the radar. He was actually the number one, number one name on the radar, and he had already gone to Columbus. And um, but you still held out hope, you know. Like, well, maybe it is D Day, and let's figure something out on the fly. And as you come to realize, as a blue blood, that's not what Oklahoma does. You're not gonna fly by the seat of your pants. You'll say, okay, we'll try to run it back and see what happens, make some minor tweaks, make some more adjustments, and understand that next year is it for Mike. So the first half, but leading up to what we thought was D-Day, I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited to see Mike Stoops gone. I don't even care who they bring in. Once you find out Mike Stoops is coming back, you kind of like go into this like shell of trauma. You're like, oh, my gosh, there's no way. There's no way. After that Rose Bowl game, there's, there's no excuse. And then... Fast forward to after the Orange Bowl, and you think 2015, 2017, 2018, three of the probably the best offenses in college football history, not just Oklahoma history, college football history, possibly wasted 
not possible, wasted because of awful defensive play. And I read, I don't know where I read this one, but I read that the players respect Grinch. He is the alpha male, but he cares about the players. They respect him. He gets them hyped. And he is a personable guy that will not just, he'll cuss you out, but he'll also take you under his wing and teach you a little bit. Really committed to that Speed D brand, too. You saw the video from yesterday where they broke the huddle Mm -hmm. yelling, Speed D! Yeah, and Roy Manning's been harping on that. And uh, and Alex Grinch run defense. Uh, they they are inspired by it, and it's just they're they're flying to the ball. They're buying into the system. It's exciting, and you got to think they will improve. And a, a story that came out the other day was, or I don't know if it was a quote. I'm I'm blanking on it right now, but. They're just very excited. He's down in Norman. He's someone that they want to play for. And in the previous regime, under Mike Stoops, there would be calls that they would want to you know, plug in on defense. And the players would chime, chirp, chirp back of their defensive coaches. And it was, it's not a, that's not a good environment. Not healthy, is it? Not a good environment because you, you don't see that on the offense. Uh, and the players would chirp back on the defensive coaches, like a call from coming from, up, from upstairs from Mike, and uh, not a good environment to play in. And uh, this is like this is the call, and the players just stick to their abilities because the simpler defense they can make a little more off, they can make a little more of the plays given to them because they have more freedom to roam. But we were joined by Alex Kirshner today of uh, Banner, what is the Banner, Banner Society? Society, and he does a great job. And we, he was joined us on the podcast, and he had some great things to say. And um, we'll bring that to you guys after a break from our sponsors. All right, guys, today we are joined by Alex Kirshner from Banner Society. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Alan. Hey, Alex. thank you, Matt. I said Thanks your name was Alan, there. but it's actually Alex. Sorry about I mean, that. It's all it's all close enough. It happens. What's, it happens. Know, I mean, Get them mixed yeah, up with Alan Kenny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a Tuesday, you know. But Alex, hey, tell us a little bit about Banner Society and really how it differs from SB Nation's previous cultural pro- coverage. Yeah, thanks for for having me on and asking me about Banner Society. Excited to talk about it. Uh, you know, the team is uh, a lot of the same folks who maybe you became familiar with with SBNation.com's national college football coverage over the last you know better part of a decade um i'd say the primary differences are in a few things number one um i think the type of thing that we are gonna make whether that's in writing or podcasting um is going to be much more geared now um toward uh being what we call in you know in our newsroom but we call it being evergreen um try to tell a lot of stories that we think are timeless that uh, we think if you like college football, um, this story will be valuable to you forever, and it's not just going to be something where uh, we're focusing on you know what's going to happen this week in this mm-hmm. game because um, that space is already pretty pretty busy right. uh, with a lot of people doing really good work, um, and we'll still still do some of that um, you know in different podcasts and in uh, conference calls and on Reddit and on Twitter and uh, in a newsletter that we have. 
Um, but the stuff that lives on BannerSociety.com, uh, which is launching pretty soon uh, on the 21st of August, uh, will kind of skew towards just being stuff that we hope um, has a pretty infinite shelf life. Um, and just generally, college football is a real weird sport. Um, I don't say that just to sound silly or anything, but it's a sport that... It's um, objectively true. It's objectively yep. very weird. And um, sometimes when you're trying to cover... Uh, college football and appeal to college football fans. Uh, we found because that's you know we consider ourselves fans of the sport very much so. Um, but you know between like the NBA and the NFL, um, baseball to an extent, I'd, I'd say soccer and hockey to some extent, but they're a little bit different. Um, fans kind of speak similar languages in terms of um, the way that those sports are covered and uh, what's interesting about them. You know, with the way that. Uh, the sports are set up and, and the way that NBA free agency and NFL free agency, you know, you can kind of cover them with a similar mindset. Um, college football recruiting is real bizarre um, and has just an entirely different kind of uh, vibe around it and an entirely different and uh, way less fair, I would say, economic system to it. Um, and that's just one example of how college football is a sport that is sometimes hard to cover in the same way um, that you would cover other sports. And, uh, for the sake of covering it in a way that embraces all that's different about it, um, for better and for worse, um, we think that we're, we're going to be really well positioned to do that at Banner Society. Um, so maybe I should get that down to a more concise, uh, more clear elevator pitch, but that's what we're going for. No, I mean, that was legitimate. Yeah, I mean, that definitely has me excited for Banner Society. I mean, and that's sort of SB Nation's brand as well. I mean, be a little bit goofy, but informative at the same time. I'm really looking forward to that kind of thing. But anyway... Speaking of publications, Sports Illustrated, they come out with all these lists yesterday. Obviously, they get a lot of engagement on Twitter and elsewhere. It's been kind of blowing up for whatever reason. Anyway, SI listed the Sooner Schooner as the number one tradition in college football, which is hilarious. And I mean, I know it's subjective, but that's untrue. In reality, what is truly the best tradition in college football, at least in your eyes? You know, I'm a Maryland grad, so I would say that the best tradition in college football is, uh, you know, looking at your phone uh, for several hours after you lost to Syracuse or Boston. Not to Texas, though. Um, Not to Texas, because we don't do that in Maryland. We don't lose to Texas. Uh, and uh, Must you know, be nice. trying to rationalize how you can still make the Continental Tire Bowl or whatever. Um, that, to me, is the greatest college football tradition. Uh, among what you know, what normies would consider college football traditions, I've always liked how Clemson fans run on the, run on the field uh, after every win. That's kind of um, cool, yeah. And, and maybe the best tradition is people acting like Clemson fans are like rushing the field because they think it's special. Like that, you know, they're like, oh, these guys just beat NC State and they're running on the field. Um, anytime that people on Twitter don't realize that they do that every game, um, I would add that as kind of an addendum tradition that is one of my favorites in college football. Man, it's a good tradition. And like talking about Maryland tradition in general, I mean, now they just have a ton of uniforms and What's your favorite uniform combination? You know, I've always been a fan of the ones that they wore. And this was actually the year before I went to school there. This was in like 2011. 
the ones that, that they wore against Miami in that season opener that got a lot of attention because they had the state flag mm-hmm. uh, on either side of the helmet and on the shoulders. They actually put out a uniform today um, that I love, which is a throwback to what they wore uh, in the 80s with back when they would spell out Terps and kind of a softer, more cursive script mm-hmm. um, that had been in style, kind of the way that Pitt used to do it and has recently gone back to doing it. Um, I like that a lot. Um, so probably those two, kind of their throwback script and the state flag. But they've, they've also made a lot of missteps uh, trying to do like black ops yeah. and reach out and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, you've got a good state flag and I think trying to lean into that. Hey, great. But, uh, you know, it, you can kind of get lost if you if you try to do too much. It's the it's 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 what Under Armour is all about. They test the boundaries, whether it's good or bad. They just roll with the punches. And sometimes I mean, what, what is what is a terrapin? Is it just like a regular turtle? What is that thing? It's, it's a specific type of turtle uh, that is, uh, I believe, if not native to is extremely prevalent um in the watershed near the dmv and and i think going out okay the, uh, so it's regionally appropriate okay it's, it's regionally appropriate why don't, um, why don't they have ninja turtle like uniforms that would be but, a good one i don't know i mean i think if they really wanted to lean into the state thing they could do you know have them dress up like craps um <laughs> there you go i don't uh but you know the, the terrapin is it's regional to an extent but I, i'm down in georgia every so often for work and you know, they have terrapin beer down there. And oh, yeah, like, it's lovely. Yeah. I'm a big fan so of terrapin it's, it's recreation. Not, it's good stuff. Right. So it's not like a, a strict – it's not like – I don't think that we right. have like a monopoly on terrapins as a, <laughs> as a thing. Um, so it's fine. It is what it is. Well, speaking of the terrapins and their fall football schedule, are things going to be a, a little bit easier maybe for their – for the team that – Or tougher now that Texas or is no maybe longer tougher, on the yeah, now that – Texas is no longer on the non-con. You know, we're going to miss uh, being able to start the year with, with a win. Um, <laughs> Texas. That's that's tough because um, it's been nice to kind of be able to mark that off. And I will say that Texas gave Maryland more of a fight last year, and, and that was scrappy on Texas's part um, to kind of show a lot going to a team like Maryland and um, being able to stay within one possession at that time. Um yeah, I think, I think it's tricky anytime you're in the Big Ten East, though. Um, like, I think Maryland could be pretty good this year. Um, and I'm flattered that you would ask about them, even though I don't know how many people care outside of uh, College Park and D.C. and Baltimore. But, um, you know, I, I kind of mark down until further notice losses to Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, uh, and Ohio State, obviously, um, every year, um, unless something drastic changes. So... Until further notice, you kind of have to assume uh, that you have four losses in your own division and you're just trying to win against Indiana and Rutgers. And against Indiana especially, that's no guarantee. Mm. Um, so if they can get to 6-6, six and six, that would be great. But but the schedule's tricky. Yeah. And without Texas, it's even harder. So back to Banner Society, what kind of cool stuff do you all have coming down the pipe uh, on the website? And is there anything uh, fans should be looking for? Yeah, I think a lot of fun stuff. Um, one of the things that I actually wrote about that um, pertains to Oklahoma that I think is interesting is I tried to do an accounting, and this will be coming uh, in the first week or two, I think, when we actually launch the website later this month. 
um, about how every great dynasty in the history of college football, um, from FBS to FCS to Division II to Division III, um, what eventually happened that led to that dynasty ending. Um, and I actually asked Jack about it. That is correct. This is coming back to me. me. He provided uh, a really, really good book reference that shed a little bit more light on this to me. Um, was about what happened with the Bud Wilkinson mm-hmm. OU dynasty. Um, and it's one of the most interesting cases because there was never, you know, obviously it's, it's some of the most dominant teams in the history of the sport, and then there are a few more after he leaves. Um, but there's not one clean answer uh, in every case to figuring out, like, why was this team that was so dominant for so long um, suddenly just good or, or even, you know, for a few years they're with OU, why are they mediocre? Um, and I, I learned some stuff that I had no idea about, you know, Bud Wilkinson, um, being a really close friend of JFK, um, you know, and while JFK is in office, he appoints Bud Wilkinson to, uh, kind of a national fitness board. Um, and there's one theory that Bud spends a lot of time focusing on that and kind of loses a bit of verve, um, with recruiting and with coaching. Uh, there's one theory that he wins so much that he's going to these coach of the year clinics every year um, that are on a key visit weekend and he stops getting good recruits because he's not on campus to host these kids. Um, there's some more general theories that um, actually, actually one of my favorites is the story of the year that they went to Northwestern uh, and they lost a game to Northwestern the day after a bunch of the team got food poisoning and Bud Wilkinson, an OU's physician, uh, thought that there was a possible mafia-involved plot uh, to, you know, you know, deny them uh, a chance to beat Northwestern, and that, and that that kind of set a season off on the wrong foot, and they never recovered. Um, so OU, the Bud Wilkinson OU years are just really fascinating to me, um, and I'm, you know, I write in some detail about that on Better Society. So that was probably more than you bargained for with that question, but um, I, 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 I cannot wait. <laughs> Yeah, that's that sounds like it, it's that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah, OU OU's got a, a really interesting football history to me. I mean, even by the standards of other great programs that have won a lot, you know, just a lot to to talk about with OU. Well, we certainly appreciate that. Carmier, you got something? Oh yeah. So one more question before we head on to some rapid fire questions for you. Just in the overall nature of college football heading into the 2019 season. Who are some of your college football contenders and maybe even some pretenders that shouldn't be highly ranked as they are? Uh, well, I'll start with Oklahoma because I'm on Oklahoma podcast. And I think that until further notice, you have to uh, figure that OU is a favorite in the Big 12. I, I know that there's uh, quite a bit gone on offense, but I think the defense should be better. And I think if the defense rises by as much as the offense goes down, then that's a playoff contender again. Um you know, I, I, I don't think that I'm going to be very exciting here, but Alabama, Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Ohio State, you know, they've missed out a few years in a row. I think that uh, they are probably in a position where they can get back this year, um, which kind of raises the point about, I don't know that I would use the word pretender, but uh, a lot of folks seem to think that this is the year that Michigan beats Ohio State. And I just have no idea how you could possibly be confident in that. Uh until well after it's actually happened. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like the sport the last few years has, it, college football has always been a sport where there's a pretty defined top class and then everybody else. Um, but I'm not comfortable going with anybody outside of that top class this year. Um, there are a few teams that, that have been trendy picks. Um, I've heard some people 
kind of you know suggest that maybe like a team like Utah could go undefeated. That'd be fun as hell. I, I hope it happens, but uh, seems like a lot to me to ask. Um, and I think that's based around Utah having a largely based around them having a great running back uh, in Zach Moss, and I'm always skeptical of that because running backs can rise and fall quickly. Um, so I'd say the usuals. Now, as far as pretenders, who are you thinking? You're going to get me in trouble, but you know, Michigan, I, I guess. Do it. Uh, sure, we'll say <laughs> I don't. The thing is, I don't know if Michigan's pretending. I think that people might be pretending about Michigan. Okay, there um, you and go. it's possible wrong and that michigan goes ahead and does it um but it's just hard to me until um you know until we actually see him do it uh other teams that people think seem to think are going to be really good that i don't think are going to be great um i guess if i say auburn i have a 50 50 chance of being correct because you never know if i mean that could be 15 and 0 national champions or they could be seven and five i have no idea um so i guess if i pick Auburn, which, you know, I think they, I forget where they slotted in the coaches poll, but I think people expect a bit out of them this year. Um, then I have a 50% chance of being right and a 50% chance that people might not remember I said it. Uh, I'm a little skeptical, um, as I'd mentioned of Utah, but that's again, not really a product of anything they've done. I think that's just a product of, uh, a lot of people thinking of the PAC 12 North, uh, they're not able to decide who's going to win that. So Utah is getting PAC 12 title preseason picks, even though I don't know if they're better than, Washington or Oregon or Stanford. Um, and the rest will reveal itself. Yeah. Well, we have some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. Who is your favorite Oklahoman of all time who you know to be Oklahoman? This is going to be a test on Oklahoma's yeah. image right here. Mm-hmm. So, you guys ask this of a lot of people who come on the podcast? I don't think we ever have. Yeah, I think well, we might person. for like a Big 12 person yeah, or something yeah. like that who is more familiar with Oklahomans, I guess. Well, if I if I just say Reba McIntyre. Oh, yeah, that, there you go. I mean, Reba, who doesn't love Reba? I used to um, watch her. I used to watch go. her show, man. Right. I mean, just extremely, extremely great. Um, a big fan of Reba's, as, as are we all, I would hope. Um, she was the I race did. car driver in the Little Rascals as well, no, if right. I she recall was, correctly. She graduated from Southeastern Oklahoma State. That's true. Yeah, Durant. Oh, that's yeah. in Durant. Okay, mm-hmm. I did not know that, but uh, yeah, definitely from Oklahoma was, and film legend in Little Rascals, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I think one of my favorite pieces of pop culture about Oklahoma. I just remember it as a very, very long but good book that I read in high school was Grapes of Wrath. Oh, that's was set. Steinbeck. That's bad image of Oklahoma. Not, not good. The thing is, and Steinbeck's not an Oklahoman. No, um, definitely not. I remember not. looking back, not an Oklahoma, but I remember I, want, I, I thought about this um, because, well, I guess this would be disclosing to, your, to the listeners that I got a tip that you might ask me who my favorite Oklahoma was, and maybe I shouldn't say that on the podcast, but I thought, yeah, you know, the, the folks uh, that are actually, you know, the guy who actually wrote that book isn't from Oklahoma, uh, which maybe explains why, you know, you think it's a bad image of Oklahoma. Maybe you need a local to do it. Um, I remember when I was a kid enjoying that book, and but I couldn't think of any, like, really defining characters because it kind of followed a whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. I like Garth Brooks a lot. 
I'm a big Garth fan. I was listening to some Garth today, actually. Garth's okay. He he's sort yeah. of like indirectly responsible for like the current pop country trend, but that's a different yeah. rant for yeah. a different time. I but, mean, uh, I, I don't even like country music, but I listen to Garth. Yeah, I know. What I do. I, what if I threw a curveball and said like Jamie Triplehorn, Chill on Criminal Minds? Ooh, he's from Oklahoma. Hmm. Did not know that. Didn't know that. Brad Pitt. Could I? Could Brad I point Barry? Brad. Oh, right, right. Could I point? Barry Sanders is an honorary Oklahoman. You can if you'd like to. No, that's fine. Yeah, we. I, I think every see every Oklahoman is okay. Every OU fan is okay with Barry Sanders because he never beat OU, so there's no hard feelings right. or anything like that. Right. So we're fine with and him. How, and how can you not? I think everybody likes Barry Sanders because he was amazing and he never played for teams that beat anybody. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. So what? What could possibly be your problem? You know, with him. Uh, uh, I don't. He's a good guy. Completely agree. I mean, he's about as fun as anyone to watch ever. But switching to an entirely different. Wait, actually, hold on just a second. Kamiar, who's your favorite Oklahoman of all time? Oh man, you gonna ask me who my favorite Oklahoma? <sighs> my favorite Oklahoman of all time. Give me. Give me Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Okay. How about that, Jim Thorpe. Not bad. One Thank of the you. best athletes of all time. And see, Alex, you're from Pennsylvania, right? So you sort of half claim him as well. Yes, um, I would say. Well, that's not really fair because I'm from Pittsburgh. So I tell I tell people that I'm from Pittsburgh, where I've never really spent too much time in Pennsylvania. Um, but Jim Thorpe is from Pennsylvania. You know, spent time at least at Carlisle in Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, I suppose that Pittsburgh could claim him, despite Pittsburgh and Philly's vast differences with the rest of Pennsylvania. So there's a yeah I mean obviously there's a gigantic cultural difference there I didn't take that into account obviously there's more like East Coasty I guess over in Philadelphia or whatever in the rest of the state but anyway I'm gonna go with I'm going with Leon Russell actually because people don't realize how influential he was in the late '60s early '70s music scene he played a. Uh, the keys in George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh, which is one of the most famous concerts ever, hmm. and one of the most famous concert films ever, and he was like a session musician with so many big artists at the time, and did all sorts of stuff, and he was wild as hell, so he basically corrupted so many musicians during that time, and uh, did all sorts of cool stuff. I'm a big fan of Leon Russell, but anyway... Who would win a fight between SB Nation's Matt Brown, our Matt Brown, and the Athletics Matt Brown? It's a good question. That's a very good question. You know, Matt Brown, SB Nation Matt Brown is truly one of the best people that I know. He's he's a great, great guy. Um, but he's not violent. He's not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. Um I, I only know the Athletics Matt Brown from Twitter. He also seems like a very nice person. But I think I have to, and I'm only doing this as a, out of a compliment to his kind of nonviolent uh, resistance, but I, I can't, I'm, I'm not picking our Matt Brown to win in a fight because he's not fighting. So I, I would say that if it comes to it, I'm taking the Athletics Matt Brown. But I also don't know if anyone could actually want to fight our Matt Brown because he's he's too good a guy. That's, That's not me being a company show. He's he's a great guy. One thing that would go in our Matt Brown's favor, I would think, is now 
he's a father of two, and dad strength is a real thing, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? It's a great point. And actually, our Matt Brown is doing uh, a lot of woodworking <laughs> of late, and that's been that's been a hobby that he's taken up. I've seen um, that on Twitter. Yeah. That, that, that only amplifies, and, and by the way, anyone can have dad strength. You don't actually have to be a dad. I think that you just have to kind of have that vibe about you. Um, he certainly has developed that strength. So you're right. He, he really, he could, if it comes to it, I don't know. I don't know what he's capable of. Is he starting to wear plaid? Can you confirm that? Now that he's doing you know, woodworking? I, have, I need to text him. I don't think I've seen, I don't know <laughs> if I've seen him in plaid. His calluses on I feel his like hands. He's, I feel like he, he's probably got some plaid. He's probably okay. got some plaid. If, well, he's listen, if he's listening to this, Matt, I think you. I think you could do plaid. He's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, he could pull off plaid. I think he could do it. But, um, Kamiro, what you got? What's your projection for the Maryland Terrapins' record this season of football? Mm, give me, give me five and seven. Um, happy if it gets to six and six, but give me five and seven. Are you upset in any and, way and that if, if, they couldn't pull Jalen Hurts? Um, you know, I like Jalen Hurts too much, um, to subject him to what, what our school probably would have done to him. A lot of questions on the offensive line and by law, every Maryland starting quarterback sustains some kind of serious malady at some point in the year. Mm. And Jalen Hurts just doesn't seem like he deserves that. He seems like really, you know, nobody deserves that, but especially not Jalen Hurts. So I, I, I can't say that I would have chosen differently if I had the choice to to be Oklahoma's quarterback instead of Maryland's quarterback. Well, we're going to transition to a little bit of food right here. So mm-hmm. what, what's the best hot wing flavor, and do you prefer the drums or flats? Mm, interesting question. Um, I'm a straight buffalo guy. Uh, I like drums a lot, but buffalo is kind of I – mean, I'm not as adventurous as I should be. I mean, frankly, I get garlic parm uh, most of the time. Uh, which is it's solid. It's solid. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about airing that publicly. <laughs> but you know, buffalo. You can't go wrong with buffalo, and it's also. I mean, it's additionally it's great on a sandwich. I know it's not a wing, um, but it's great in a wing or a sandwich. I think it's one of the most versatile sauces. So, big buffalo guy. All right. What about your go-to drink? And so you're you're a Steelers fan, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, what's your go-to drink while watching the Steelers, especially? during all this Antonio Brown stuff? Uh, great question. Um, I think my, you know, my beer choices are, are not that exciting, but I would say that um, I I think that gin and tonic season right now, uh, it, it is gin and tonic season. Uh, gin and tonic season usually runs from January through about December. <laughs> uh, and, and I really, you know, have, I think, I've taken to that as a really nice football drink when, when I get the chance, uh, because you can sip for a while. Uh, it's not, you know, if you're, if you're having, if you're pouring it with the right ratio, it's not going to shock you. Um, but you can, you can really kind of have that for like a whole half or so. Um, and it'll go down pretty easy. So I think, you know, it's an underrated football drink. I Mm -hmm. think that more people with football are probably doing beer or maybe a whiskey of some kind. Um, like I don't, I, I don't feel like gin is really a huge tailgate hit, um, but maybe we should change that. I think so too. Uh, are you a Tangeray guy or do you go cheaper? You know, it's funny. I'm actually on a family vacation uh, this week, uh, and 
there's been some tangerine in the house and it's good. Uh, it's, it's better. I mean, there's a noticeable difference. I have been for years, uh, going very cheap, just getting Seagram's dry. Um, I've recently upped that, you know, to kind of a mix of new Amsterdam and, uh, one of the London dries. I forget the brand. Uh, it might be beef eater. Oh, um, there you go. I think it's beef eater is what it's, I've gotten that two or three times. Um, so yeah, at some point you got to grow up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into the, the latter half of my twenties and, and, um, you're making and, me feel very old. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, you can't be a child, uh, forever Agreed. With your, your gin purchases. So, so I've been trying to make some strides, but it's, it's a process. So uh, where are you on family vacation yeah, right now? Yeah. I'm actually uh, in Avalon, New Jersey. Um, in, I'm not uh, familiar. The, it, it's a state, you know, and anytime you go to New Jersey, you can kind of see the Rutgers pride um, everywhere you go. So I'm in Rutgers territory right now. Uh, you can't you can't go outside without seeing those scarlet red flags uh, just a-waving everywhere from here to New York City, really. <laughs> there are actual Rutgers fans? He's messing around. But uh, are there Rutgers fans? I mean, do you, I mean, are is it actually like I know you're joking around, but is there? I mean, I'm not from the Northeast, yeah. so are there a no, lot of them? I don't no, know. I th- honestly, I think most of the Rutgers fans that I've met. Uh, so at Maryland, I had several different roommates who were from Jersey. I mean, anytime you ask someone who introduces themselves as from Jersey, and you're like, "So where are you from?" They always just say Central Jersey. Um, even though that's, it's not entirely clear to me that that's a thing, but that's what they say. Um, and anytime that their friends would come up to college to visit in Maryland, um, I guess they'd be coming down to visit in Maryland. Um, they would oftentimes be Rutgers students. Hmm. Um, and a buddy of mine from Pittsburgh lived near Piscataway for a few years. So Rutgers absolutely has a fan base. Uh, and, and I feel for them because they've been through a lot. Um, uh, I, I have to acknowledge that there aren't many of them in any particular place. I don't feel like, but um, yeah, they're trying. I, and I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, so I, I get it. I understand that it's a tough, a tough existence. Okay, so let's see. Which of these two things was more improbable, in your opinion? Maryland beating Texas twice with them being coached by Tom Herman. Or Kansas beating Texas once while being coached by Charlie Strong? Well, at Maryland, we expect to beat programs like Texas. Um, <laughs> so so I would have to say Kansas beating Texas is more surprising. Um, though, again, I give, credit, I give credit to Texas for showing up in 2018 uh, when Maryland had an interim head coach um, and was off a horrible offseason. Um, of administrative scandal uh, where the players had been, you know, subjected to unimaginable loss of a teammate. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'll turn serious for one second. Maryland played a great game that day, um, a really great game, but it was still, you know, given Texas's talent, kind of embarrassing for Texas that they let that happen two years in a row mm-hmm. um, and made so many mistakes. So I, I was, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, because I, because we shouldn't joke about, I shouldn't joke so much about that. I would say that Maryland doing it twice is probably a little bit more surprising. Um, though given the state that Kansas was in 2016, uh, I, you can't go wrong either way. I think that's fair. I mean, 
So if you could bring one rivalry, because with conference realignment, with the Big 12, ACC, Big East, yada yada, all shifting around, a lot of rivalries have gone away, kind of died. So if you could bring one back to life on a regular basis, which one would you choose? And then also, if you could just create one new rivalry, which one would you create? Great question. Um, if I could bring back one, well, I'm not, I would say Pitt, West Virginia, but that's coming back in a few years anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that letting Texas and, and A&M play again would be nice just to kind of relieve some some tension there. Um, kind of feels like that, that couple has been fighting for a while, and um, it would just be nice if they could um, kind of go – get it worked out and counseling or whatever, and then, um, just play, um, because they're very similar to one another. Um, and you know, I just think it'd be good for them to kind of be able to collaborate once again. Uh, and if I were creating a rivalry, you know, I think it's about time that, um, Alabama stopped ducking UCF and I know they scheduled them like 10 years out, but that's not soon enough. You know, you've got to, I think, clear some space, find a way to get them on the schedule in 2020 and every year thereafter. Hell yeah. Kamiar, what's your new rivalry? Oh, man, my new rivalry. Let's go. Oh, that's that's an interesting one. Because, like, I don't want to take – how about this? You give me – give me Arkansas. Give me Pig Suey. And just for the hell of it, give me Illinois. Why Illinois? It's because I hate Illinois. Why do you hate Illinois? Because they have an S at the end of their name that you don't even pronounce. There you go. It's Same both for of those. See, there you go. S's yeah. that aren't pronounced. The there No S Cup. There you go. The No Shit Cup. There you go. Anyway, I'm going to go oklahoma and arkansas because there's a lot of uh, sexual tension there of just two schools that don't play each other <laughs> that really don't like that they similar color they're, they're, they're right next to each other they're constantly interacting with each other they're constantly bickering yeah they're never able to take that energy out on each other constructively yeah. so that just needs to happen, but they they'll never play each other. They played in the two thousand one Cotton, Cotton Bowl, and it was a ten to three game, and it was like thirty degrees in Dallas at like mm-hmm. the old Cotton Bowl Stadium mm-hmm. with a fair that wasn't even going on at the time. Which, if you've been in the State Fair of Texas when it's not going on, it's dead. fucking creepy. It's dead. But like, uh, that's a weird deal. But anyway. Yeah, that would be the one, I would say. I mean, I think a lot of OU fans would enjoy that. Arkansas fans would Similar enjoy Similar color it. schemes. Similar color schemes. Just, one fan base just has less Two states that both teeth. think the other state is really trashy. Yep. But they're both really trashy in reality. But that's, like, that's uh, pretty true. Have you ever been to Ponca City? Ponca City? Oh, God. Horrible. Yeah. But like, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing Alex has not been to Ponca City. But anyway. <laughs> now one... we got to get there, though. <laughs> You do not need to get there. Um, how thankful are you, as a Maryland person, that the 2002 Maryland Terrapins, who won the national championship in basketball, didn't have to have a rematch against Kelvin Sampson's Oklahoma Sooners, who stomped the Terps in December of that year? You know, I'm grateful for the sake of, of like, every older Maryland fan who was with this program back then because 
in a way that I think is really unique, um, even for fan bases that win championships in college sports. Maryland fans, the notion of, of not having that national championship um, is like too much to bear. It would be like the death of, of a child. Um, so if we can avoid chanting it, I mean, seriously, like there are people who will dine forever on the fact that Maryland won the 2002 national championship. Um, this was before I was a Maryland fan before I had gone there. Um, but who it's like, they would, they would spend life and limb before they would give up, um, any chance of that title going away. Um, so I think that given even the, you know, however minute the possibility uh, would have been that, that they'd have had to run into Oklahoma, which beat them pretty good um, as I look back at it. They beat them by, uh, I think, 16 points, um, you know, probably for the best because I think that there would be a lot of people kind of going into downward spirals if Maryland had not, you know, had not had that. And if you told – especially if you told them now that you're taking away from them, just not be, not be good at all. Well, that seems pretty dire. I think we'll yeah. let you all have that, so – there you go. Kami, are you got anything else? Man, that that's off. That's it for me. I think that's it for me too. Thanks for coming here, Alex. Absolutely, guys. Pleasure. Thank and where can me. people uh, find you on Twitter? Uh, if you really want to, though I don't know that I would recommend it, uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Alex underscore Kirshner. That's K-I-R-S-H-N-E-R. Uh, and you definitely should follow us at Banner Society. Uh, kind of the, the whole website account and of course, keep following CC Machine and, and keeping up with all the great stuff that you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. A pleasure. Yeah, talk to you guys soon. All right, so let's go into some Twitter questions. We had some, and one of them from our very own Seth. He says, Assuming health isn't an issue, who makes a bigger impact this season? Braden Willis? Or a Jalen Redmond? If Jalen, if health isn't an issue, Jalen Redmond's the best player on the defense, probably here. Ronnie Perkins, wouldn't you say? I would say, oh man, that's so difficult to say. I would say he's one of the best players. I would say he has one of the best opportunities to make plays. To me, honestly, you might even, I might, even, I might even say Trey Brown is the best player on the defense right now. Definitely a playmaker. Definitely a gamer. Uh, but I think big game experience. I think that, that is an. I think that's a easy question to answer. Very easy. Come on, Seth. Uh, Although, granted, both of them are projected starters at their position, so both will make a very big impact. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the next question is from at sooner r f <laughs> sooner Ruf. sooner f. QB depth chart. We kind of talked about that earlier. Yeah, podcast, I mean, right? like it, it's sort of. It's not necessarily concrete in that, like, in the progression of a game, it's like a blowout. It's going Hurts, Mordecai, Rattler, most likely. Mm-hmm, but the unofficial. But if something truly big happens to Hurts, if it's more than a few plays, Rattler would be the second guy. The out, unofficial, so. official depth chart for the QB situation. Definitely. I agree with that. This next one's from Clamdigger1414. Don't know where he got that name, but I'm, I think it's, think it's great. Says, is Levi Draper gonna see some significant playing time this year? If not, will he ever really play at OU, or do you see him transferring at the end of the season? Well, it depends on how you would define significant. Yeah, because he and Brian Mead, the projected backups of the mm-hmm. two inside linebacker positions, mm-hmm. so he's gonna see the field. He will see the field, and 
with his new body, you know, he's up to like 245, mm-hmm. right? He's big. He's he's pretty big. He, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him out on the field. He definitely has the tools to show out, it seems yeah. like, at this point. And Brian Mead has been sidelined a little bit lately. And so is Kenneth Murray with some lingering stuff. And so he's been seeing a lot of time in practice, and that's been only solidifying his opportunity to go play in some games. He's going to play, I would say, in at least 10 games, and he'll get significant snaps in at least, at least eight, or eight or nine of those games. Um, yeah, he's going to play. I don't see him transferring. He's He'll, he'll be fine. They Ella, Alex Grinch, but more, more so Brian Odom really like him, who is also another Oklahoma product. Ada Cougars. Uh, the OU Champs says, I thought that was interesting. Would you rather have a linebacker that was 6'6 or 5'10? And me and Jack talked about this. Which linebacker position are yeah. we talking about? Inside if, you're, or if, you're, if you're a rush linebacker, 6'6 and all the length and all that stuff, go for it. Mm-hmm. Inside linebacker, 5'10's fine with me. Yeah, 5'10. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, Tay Evans was like 6'4. And he was an inside linebacker. I mean, it just depends because there are so many different body types. But I'm 100% of the time taking a 6'6 linebacker as an outside linebacker. And, I mean, in the Big 12, if your middle linebacker or inside linebacker is 5'10", you're probably not too concerned. But if you're, like, in the Big 10, the SEC, you're probably going to want that 6'6 guy, right? Well, of course. Oh, definitely. So it, it just really depends. And I just got a question right now. It says, it's from SCO. Football related. What's going on with Texas recruiting? They've had a bit of a hot streak lately. They do that from yeah. time to time. It's Texas. They have money and they have the most resources of anybody available. It also they have a head coach who blows smoke up people's asses. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right now, it's working. That's true. That's true. Uh, non-football related. If a zombie plague were to start right now, where would you hold up? And how long would you survive? Why are people so fascinated with zombies? Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've never understood that. I don't know. Whatever. But where would you hold up? Hmm. Probably family's lake house up in Canada, because hardly anyone lives up there in this particular region. Would you survive? They could. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. I grew up in Edmond. I'm not equipped for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Man, I'm screwed. That's that's a good question. I think I would go hold up in uh let's say oh man. Take me some backwoods place in like Montana where they sell guns and shotgun shells at Walmart. Montana's beautiful. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go up there. I'm gonna hang out in their plateaus and regions that really nobody stays. And I'm just gonna live live off the land for a bit, and then go live with Red Dirt Sport. Yeah, I'm gonna go live with Red Dirt Sport. He's a pretty. He good lives guy. in Butte, and that's like actually not that populated, but still fairly populated, like probably fifty thousand something yeah. like that. Too big for zombie apocalypse. You want to go further out? Yeah. And man, if me and if me and Red Dirt Sport, I mean, we could we could make a very formidable t- team for zombies and surviving that. But I don't think I would live without the help of somebody else. If it was just me, I am screwed. One hundred percent. Completely agree. All right, same here. It is time for two to three hot takes. Anything NCAA football 
is yours. I'll go first. Texas is gonna win eight games this year. That's that's pretty. That's not too bold. Well, depending upon who you are, the national well, yeah. media would call me crazy. I mean, I would say nine and three's the pretty reasonable range there. All right, here's another hot take. Okay. Oregon is going to be in the college football playoff. I like that one, actually. Oh, okay. So you're a fan of this hot take? Kind of, yeah. I mean, Oregon or Washington, I think this is the year that Pac-12 school gets in. It's been since, what was it, 2014 when Oregon got in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the last time. The one, only time. One last hot take. Neither Clemson or a team from the SEC wins the national title this year. Well, I hope you're right. I also hope I'm right. Who do you think it is? Don't know. <laughs> Oregon, maybe. Eh, or I mean, Washington. Hell, if I mean, if OU gets their shit together defensively, that wouldn't be too bad of a pick, honestly. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Got anything? Ooh, see, I'm not. I'm really not high on the Nebraska chain, or on the Nebraska train, rather. Mm-hmm. Some people seem to be. Having said that, their division is so, I guess, bottom heavy, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess you would say. But, like, uh, I think they could win the Big Ten West. I think I, I, I'll, I'll go with Nebraska winning the Big Ten West. Just because they have a decent quarterback. It's a pretty hot take. Honestly. Not that hot. Just because that side of the conference isn't very good. Yeah. Oh, man. By the way, correction, Washington made the college football toy playoff in 2016. Yeah, so they got killed. I forgot about them. They, that wasn't very memorable. Yeah, they, they they were killed. It was bad. The score itself wasn't that bad. It was like 21 to 7 or something like that, but they were never in it. No, not never. Man, oh, we didn't even talk about Tate Martell. Ooh. Tater Tot. Good old Tathan. I hated him at, on the QB1 show. And he went to Ohio State, and I was just rooting for him to fail. Speaking of the QB1 show, which is coming out here in a few days, yeah. uh, Spence, Rattler's Spence supposed Rattler. to be on it. He's going to be on it, and you're going to see some stuff. He, he's scheduled to be on it. How much are they going to show? How much are they going to divulge? I, I would I would imagine that some of it's still kept hush-hush. They're going to show a lot, divulge not a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be like, oh, he was booted from... Whatever. School rules. Yeah. That's all you're going to hear. I bet they won't go into it. They will not. <laughs> There's some rumors, but I'm not going to talk about it on we'll the podcast. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's nothing too concerning. That's, so. a, that's a thing for another day, but not actually for another day. But uh, I, I, I'm i dedicating this, this segment called This One's For The Haters Just For Jack. I'm dedicating it to you for you to speak on behalf of it. it. W- see, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I mean, we had like two uh, Apple reviews who gave us one star out of five simply because we were using a little bit of profanity. On which a, an explicit podcast where it's exactly as one that is labeled lyrics. as explicit. Not only is it labeled as such, if you're looking at this. On your desktop, which I would guess people who leave negative reviews on podcasts are probably looking at it on their desktop. But it literally has the same logo, 
that you saw on CDs back in the 90s when you mm-hmm. were a kid? Parental Tip, advisory. Tipper ex- Gore out there. Yeah, parental advisory explicit content. That same logo mm-hmm. is on that. I mean, if you were to buy... Let's, let's, let's travel back to the 90s. This is an outdated yeah. topic. If you're going to Randy's M&M's in Edmond, I don't know if you remember that. Mm-mm. If you grew up in Edmond, big deal. But anyway, if you buy your kid a CD that has the parental advisory on it, and you discover, even though you weren't paying attention, Profane. that there was profanity on that album, would you take it back? To the store and expect a refund? I don't think you would. Not and then, reasonably. And then maybe trash the store for selling such a CD with bad with bad words in it. Hmm. It's the reason for the collapse of society. These youth, man. Anyway, iTunes <laughs> took down both of these reviews, restored us to five stars. Oh, God bless. All is right in the world. Yes, yeah, very nice. Just a reminder that if you have an issue with the profanity... Don't listen, but nothing you do or complain about is going to change anything. Just know that. So, Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, the reviews went away. Just We're back to five stars. Look, just look at it. Look at the podcast. It says this, do, and it says, hey, this podcast has this. Do not complain about specifically this with a label that has this on it so any complaint involving profanity is invalid in the eyes of apple so dumb but hey it is what it is man but it's tuesday tomorrow's wednesday we're heading it's halfway through the week it's gonna be wednesday when they hear this what what are your what are your plans for the subsequent weekend i mean it's one it's one week weekend closer to college football i've spent the essentially the past three weeks vacationing Mm. so I'm looking forward to not doing much this weekend. Just Same. chilling. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to hang out. And then, obviously, ramping up for football season. We've got some stuff down the pipe. Mm-hmm. I haven't been publishing as much of, like, of my own work recently, and that's about to change. So, mm. Some hot take articles. Not really hot takes. I'm doing like a... Every year I do like a bold predictions thing mm-hmm. for OU football. Yeah. A lot of them were correct last year. We'll do a bold predictions podcast. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be good times. One that goes a little deeper than what we were talking about. Here, Maybe so. even next week because the following week. Are we going to try to have Brady Trantham on next week? Oh, man, Brady. I love Brady. Your buddy. He's my man crush. I love Brady. He's a good dude. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I'm sure he's down. We, wait, you haven't asked him yet? I've asked him. Okay. He okay. says when and where. I love oh, that guy. Oh, well, there you go. Good for you. We follow each other on Instagram. I like his posts. Oh. Yeah. Fancy. <laughs> Man, do you have anything else? No. I'm good. But hey, guys. Follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. It's a great website. There's a lot of interesting stuff on there all the time. I love it when Seth throws shade at everybody else in the hot links. It's the best. Yeah, it's good, good stuff. Very lighthearted, too. Oh, it's very lighthearted. He, he's a perfect, like contrast to my cynicism mm-hmm. his sarcasm and, and alan's like analytical yeah. side so seth's sarcasm Perfect gives balance. me life it's good it's good stuff but follow us on twitter jack you can follow you can follow jack in a couple spots you can follow the more humorous sports bloggy tweets at at cc machine or if you just want to follow him talking about uh oh what was the drink 
the Malort. The Malort. If you want to follow that, follow, go to go to at J Larry Shields. I'm on at K Marabian CCM. You can follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. He's going to be dropping a podcast pretty soon. And well, that's about it. Thanks, guys.